Matilda and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm Sarah Watt. And I'm William Chen. And each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective with some connection. It could be the same director, the same actor, or a similar theme. Well, this month, we're discussing a film called Mulan, which came out on Disney Plus this year, and another film uh, called Mulan, which was released in 1998 and is available on Disney Plus. Uh, the connection being that, well, they're based on the same story. <laughs> oh, Disney Plus, what don't you have? <laughs> <laughs> and it was worth saying that in the lead up to this uh, episode, William shared with us the original, well, an English translation of the original um, poem or song, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Mandarin? Mandarin, yeah. yeah and Mandarin, uh, which was, in terms of the English translation, beautiful. And I can only imagine what the five character, 31 line symmetry of, of it's the like original. an ode to Mulan isn't yeah. it yeah mm -hmm. it's a wonderful uh piece of of literature that has then been extrapolated into 90s dance hits and um and shots of New Zealand anyways uh let's hear about 1998 the original uh what original ha huh, the animated film Sarah give us a bit of an overview of Mulan 1998 Okay, so Mulan was an animated movie back in 1998 when that was still quite a big deal uh, and directed by Tony Bancroft and Barry Cook um, and it's basically the story of a young woman uh, called uh, Mulan um, who masquerades as a young man in order to um, break her way into the Chinese Imperial Army and fight for her country and also in, in so doing save her father's honour because the father was unable to join the army himself and uh, and in so doing Mulan with her wonderful feminist bravery and good skills becomes a heroine in Chinese folklore brilliant that was you mentioned before you were going to be facetious and there was nothing yeah, facetious we'll save in the that. facetiousness <laughs> <laughs> time and place um William I believe you would like to talk to us about um another film yeah so, so guys 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 uh this week I watched Another one of these dang Disney live-action reboots. This time of a, a flawed classic, right? It was mostly filmed in our beautiful New Zealand and tells of a wild-at-heart child who is forced to comply with societal norms when outsiders invade their home. Harboring a desperate secret, they have to choose between duty to family and realising their true potential in a moving, heartfelt finale. And I would say this is a reboot in the best possible way, like it builds upon what works before in the past, but also updates the visuals, the storytelling, and the themes to a contemporary audience. But enough about Pete's Dragon, everyone! <laughs> oh my god, we are talking about Mulan 2020, a soulish cash grab of a movie, which is everything that Pete's Dragon is not. I, okay, I just have to say, I loved the original Pete's Dragon growing up as a kid, the music, uh, the... just I just have a lot of... Remember, you know, old Petey! Yeah. Old Petey! <laughs> I have not seen the new one, so it's really good. Um, it, it's not it's not great. I, I think there's some pacing issues, but it's it's very much a modern retelling in the way that it's it's very emotional. It's not very funny, um, and it's it's focusing on the relationship between Pete, Elliot, and also the people around them. Love it. Great. Yeah. Well, um, well, let's then talk about the other film, <laughs> Mulan. Uh, soulless crash, crash, crash. There we go. Soulless crash. Freudian slip there. Soulish Cash Grab, 
Sarah, what say you? Well, I say no. Um, <laughs> I say nay. I say nay, and nay again, good sir. Um, well, I can't speak for its soullessness or its cash-grabbingness, but I think it is worth mentioning that it is directed by a woman, uh, and I believe they're saying that's only the second after Ava DuVernay, um, and is that in terms of budget, only the second woman of a, is it a, of a Disney film or a, um, a Disney remake? Because then I'm thinking about good old... Um, Oh, now I've forgotten her name. Patty Whatnot, who did Wonder Woman. Yeah. Pickens, yeah. Um, maybe it's just the Disney film with Wrinkle on Time, right? Right. Yeah. So maybe that's what it is. So Nikki Caro, New Zealand director. Uh, and she's got a few films under her belt. And some of them are better than others. But the fact is, I still think that there's something of note there, that it's a female director of Mulan 2020, which I think is appropriate, and that it is one of our own, giving it a good bash. And I think... I know that we're going to come into discussing quite a lot of criticism around representation in the film and myriad issues. Um, and I would, I guess I just want to say, I enjoyed Mulan 2020 just fine. I don't think it's a great film, but I enjoyed it just fine. And I feel like it did, it does what it says on the tin. And I feel like <laughs> she delivers. I feel like Nikki Caro delivers and she delivers a blockbuster and she delivers beauty and she delivers scenery and she delivers a vaguely feminist tale of a young woman who manages to escape the matchmaker's designs and actually remarkably does not wind up betrothed at the end of the movie. I think those are strong points. Are they particularly innovative or special or necessary in 2020? Blah, blah. We shall see. I agree with you in terms of Nikki, what Nikki Cairo brings to this film. I, I do think that the, the pace of the movie works quite well in terms of the way that it's been filmed and edited. Mm. Um, the scenes are not great, but I think that that's down to the dialogue more than anything. Mm. I, I, I don't think that the actors are not being given the opportunity to give their all and haven't been guided in that. There's some clear direction there. Um, and it is beautiful to look at. Mm. Um, it's but very colourful. I also agree with you, William. It's it's really soulless. And I think that the script is... is Negligible. Poor. <laughs> I think it's poor. Yeah. So poor. And, and, and I'm going to... It makes sense to compare these two films very closely because... The way that the the animated film, which is not perfect by any means, but the way the animated film builds its its story is so so clear, and Mulan has this clear drive to uh, bring honor to her family in a way that um, is is born out of the characters, as opposed to the new one where it's so heavy handed with how they're introducing that, and it just makes for a story where. Again, we talked last month about Tenet, and I was frustrated in that film about the lack of character and the lack of drive. I feel the same in this new Mulan movie. Things just happen. Yeah. They just do things. Whereas in the animated one, she makes choices. She makes really clear choices based on really clear emotional motivations. And then things come out of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I do want to take a brief moment just to, to start off by saying... When, when we talk about these Disney remakes or reboots, whatever they are, um, it's, it's a little difficult really to really look at these movies in a vacuum. Right? Yeah. Because they're, they're all based on mostly quite beloved properties that people have, have been weaned on in their childhoods. I know I have. I still have a lot of my old VHS tapes. And there's something that nostalgia does to the brain that cannot be extricated like, I have not seen Mulan 98 in probably 10 years, and re-watching it for this podcast 
stuff hit me really hard really really hard i forgot like oh right this line was pretty funny or the animation this bit is pretty cool um and it's just so hard to talk about mulan 2020 without just continuous reference back to the older film true that being said i'm gonna do that right now um the the thing about the 2020 version that doesn't work i find is exactly exactly to a t what doesn't work with the aladdin reboot the lion king reboot the jungle book reboot which mm. is pretty to look at not very good and that they i don't think any of these movies understand what makes the original movies the original animated movies tick mm. the pacing often feels flabby the characters are not fully realized you watch lion king which is by all means an awful movie lion king 2019 um, and then you watch the original Lion King, and Lion King's not a very complicated story. It's a Hamlet ripoff, right? But mm. what you have is these, just like with Mulan, very clear-cut character motivations. It's not present in the new stuff. The new stuff's just drawing off our emotional, you know, connections with the old stuff. Maybe they don't think it's important, or maybe they think that, well, people are already invested. We don't need to introduce more. But I feel like Mulan fails exactly where all the other movies fail. And that's really, really disappointing. Because I was looking forward to this one, you guys. I think that's so interesting what you say. I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I didn't enjoy having to watch these films for this podcast. Um, and I thought, I'm not going to have anything to say. And I'm so grateful to you, William, for provoking that thought now. And I, here's what I think. The animation, when you watch Mulan 98, the animation isn't anything to write home about, eh? Oh, it, no, no, no. It's, it's absolutely something to write home about. I, it's beautiful. It was maybe then. No, I still think it's now. I, I think there's something... Oh, and we'll talk about the character animation in a second. I think what mm -hmm. makes this movie tick is the animation. I think Mulan 98, the character... The voice acting by Mina Wen is not great. I, I think she's very wooden in places. And her singing voice is Lea Salonga, who is... Um, uh, I just want to say best Eponine ever, but I mean, she's a great singer, uh, voice acting is not super great, but the character is imbued by the, just the minutiae and animation and how she acts as a man, even while keeping it feminine, her face, the little twitches in her, her micro expressions. I, I really think the animation makes her so much more interesting than live-action Mulan, who is just a cipher. Yeah. And maybe it's the writing, maybe it's the actor, maybe it's both. But I, I, as a, I think you guys know now, I'm a fan of animation. But yeah. I, I think Mulan is, is beautifully animated, even by today's standards with all the new tech and stuff. Okay, okay. Well, I totally respect that. And I, yeah. and I certainly don't mean it isn't beautifully animated, but I guess I mean that I, I'm, I'm more struck that in recent animated films, there has been maybe a technological thing going on that makes you go, holy mackerel, we've never seen that before. And, and looking back 22 years to Mulan 98, I feel like I'm seeing something perfectly lovely, mm. but not, not startling. And I guess I was just gonna hypothesize, and already I'm now doubting myself, but I was gonna hypothesize, because Lion King to me, old Lion King, is just an animated movie, but it's got heart. Um, which I think is what you're arguing that Mulan is. It's a, it has heart. And I'm wondering whether these live-action remakes... I mean, look, Mulan 2020 feels for the most part like a carbon copy of 98 in terms of what it does. 
It's just that it's got humans in it. And I wonder whether, I just wonder whether, again, the brain connection and whatnot is that we will watch, we're, we're raised on animated movies, aren't we, arguably, from a, a little age. And we watch Cinderella, if you're as old as I am, and you don't think, oh, she doesn't seem very realistic. You think, that's Cinderella. But when you're seeing a human person, I don't know, I feel like we expect more, and we expect depth, and we expect layers, and we expect nuance, and we expect things that if it ain't written, you're not getting it. And that's why 2020 just feels a little bit like a video game. I think that, I agree with both of you, I think that those those Disney animated movies of the Disney Renaissance of the late 80s, 90s period, um, they took, well, again, non-properties, those fairy tales, that, you know, they're all known fairy tales or they're known stories, um, and then they recrafted them, reforged them, and they brought with them the humour, the music, the, the I guess, relatable storylines that, that could have the, the kind of widest appeal possible. Um, but it's a recrafting, and so these remakes, I'm not against the concept of remaking a story. I'm not against the concept of Disney making live-action versions of it. But what I am against is just the rollout, the carbon copy rollout. That mm. We can just take this and we can just live actionify it without any actual refocusing, revisioning, recasting. And by recasting, I mean in terms of a process as opposed mm, mm, to mm. literally recasting characters. Mm. Um, and I was really excited about this film because I was like, oh, I like the idea of them taking the music out. Not because I don't love the music, because I do. I don't. But I think it's stupid. And <laughs> I think it's American. I think their American voices are grating nowadays. And I think it's banal. And I think it's racist. And I think it's stupid. Oh, hold up, Sarah. And I think it's do, annoying. Do you find <laughs> the American accents more annoying or the faux Chinese accent. Yeah. I, look, I'm awfully sorry. And this is where we will get into really interesting lens discussions, okay. though, William. And that's the thing. I thought about it. And I was watching 2020 and going, I actually appreciate, in inverted commas, that they aren't doing it with American accents and that they are doing some attempt at, hopefully not, a stereotypical Chinese accent for, Brit uh, for English ears. Mm -hmm. Although I suspect there is a bit of that. But let's be honest, my lens is as a white person, um, arguably a, a, an American or English Disney recipient. So for me to go, oh, this is, this is good that they're actually using their Chinese accents. I've subsequently read the criticism that says actually even, you know, well, we'll get into how the... The, the, the voice coaching and whatnot had to go for American ears, which is outrageous. But no, I thought that was better. Mm, I don't want to watch foreign, if you'll if you're forgive yeah. the in inverted commas, you know, something that is of a foreign land with American voices. To me, that is ugh, patronizing, wrong, awful, colonialist. Can I say something yeah, from, my, from my Disney, you know, Disney raised childhood, which is. I watched Mulan in Chinese. I've seen it in Chinese a lot. I've seen Ratatouille in French. I, I, I've, I've seen these movies, and the original American version is better. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is. Um, I, I, I've struggled with this in the past. Like I, I remember um, kind of not being super fond of Mulan because of the American voices. Mm. Like, it just feels weird. Yeah. But nowadays, I think I've kind of had a 180 because i understand that mulan it's not a chinese movie mm. it's a movie f it's not a movie for the chinese either it's a movie for asian americans and to read so so many asian americans nowadays in 2020 reflect so fondly back on that 
and to see themselves being represented. I think that's that's really good stuff. Because they sound American and look Chinese. Yes, exactly. And and that's what they identify with. Right. right? That's um, interesting. Whereas, as, you know, as someone who's ethnically Chinese and seeing the new Mulan and hearing them speak with all sorts of weird accents, there's Cantonese accents, yes. you know, northern Chinese, southern Chinese accents, except speaking English. And what the heck was that decision of making the extras speak Chinese? Like, how does that even work? I didn't what? even notice that. The extras were all speaking Chinese. It's like... I didn't okay, notice just that. Please keep your world consistent, movie. Right. Um, <laughs> and I hear you. It the really like dragged me whoop all the yes. way out of the movie. And that's what I mean by the lens. You mm-hmm. see, to my I, I don't speak any Chinese, Cantonese, Mandarin, anything. So mm-hmm. therefore, I'm not going to discern accents in that way, right? Um, and so for me, it's just absorbing a generic sort of oh, this feels about right. But mm. I totally hear you, William, because in the experiences that I've had, particularly perhaps with English, uh, the, the variations of English accents or even variations of American accents, absolutely I can hear things and pick things up and, and go, oh my goodness, you can mm. tell that person's actually Irish. What do they think they're playing mm. at or whatever? And yes, it does take you out of it. So mm. Mm. I definitely preferred the English, the American accents and. The animated Mulan because of the consistency. Um, I. But I, hang on, were they consistent? Because I feel like the matchmaker, Miriam Margolis, who is. Oh, British, is it Miriam Margolis? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course it is. Is she not doing some sort of cod Chinese accent? So. But but definitely the um the oh I can't remember the actor who played the, her dad. He was, and um, Pat Morita playing the emperor, which is really problematic having a Japanese guy. Yes, uh, yes. But, but he was putting on a little bit of accent, even yes. though his natural accent is quite American. And mm. so that's yeah. what I noticed in, in 98. There was an inconsistency in that, yeah. yeah. I would have loved to have seen the new Mulan in, would it be Mandarin or Cantonese? Yeah, Mandarin. It would have been, it would have been, I mean, it wouldn't have been the Disney moneymaker that I perhaps think they would have hoped it to be, but <laughs> I would have, in terms of the visuals, it would have been a really lovely experience. Um, still would have been very average in terms of storytelling. Can I can I just talk about the start of the movie because I was watching watching it uh, and opens with little girl Mulan. Which one? Start of the, twi- the new one. The yeah, twenty twenty one. It opens with a sequence with her jumping and flipping and yeah, which is terribly CGI because it, it so doesn't fake. look as good as Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. No, because it isn't. Why does it feel like a director streaming video? Why? Is it because we're watching it direct to streaming? Because I, I imagine watching it on the big screen, you still have that sense of, this feels kind of cheap for yes, a hundred feels, million feels dollar movie. Video that yeah, it, it feels like a set. It, it does, yeah. it does. Yeah. But it has this opening where you get this story of Mulan being a bit of a, a tomboy, a mischief maker, whatever she is, active, being active, breaking things. Um, clumsy. Um, and then we cut to the introduction of the uh, the new character, the, the, I guess they call her the witch, but I don't know what her name is. I don't know what. Do you mean Madonna from Frozen? From the, <laughs> from the, from the Frozen video, basically. Is that who you By mean? Way, I don't know any of the names of the other characters in this new film. No. I didn't pick up any names. I mean, Jet Li plays the emperor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know there's a guy called Yao because I looked him up. Yes. Anyway. He, he's the Harvey Fairstein character from the animated movie. And there's Cricket. But anyway, keep yeah. going. So, yeah, um, yeah. And so then we get this introduction of, of, of them sort of storming this fortress or city. Yeah. And then we jump back to Milan. And I was like, this is such a messy opening. Why didn't they just start with introducing the villain and introducing the conflict between the villain and the emperor? So we get like a prologue. And then we jump to Milan. 
that makes sense to me. And that's exactly how the animated film yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the animated I, I, film is so much cleaner. It's like, here's the central conflict, and then we're going to jump to our, our Did lead. you watch them in that order? Did you watch the new one first? Well, I'd seen the original Mulan back when I was a kid, and then I hadn't seen it until I, after the, the new one, which right. I, I appreciated watching it like that. Uh, I, I have this down. The first line of my notes for Moon 98 is instant stakes. Um, instant you, stakes. Oh, like, stakes. The, the, well, yes. Yes. Uh, the, 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 not the meaty kind. Um, basically, yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Jeremy. Like, the new Mulan feels so weirdly lopsided. And it, maybe it just didn't grab me the right way because the, the kid physics was way off. Um, but, like, the, the anime Mulan, you, you get what this whole story is about, right? You know why they're conscripting people for the army. And all of that is, is included within what, a five-minute time span? Mm. You don't need to jump forward and back. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Definitely agreed. I like the I like the, what they're trying to do with the... Again, I hate to call her the witch character, but that's all I've got. Um, well, what does she call... Uh, she is a witch. They call her a witch. I know, yeah. but it's derogatory, right? She's a, oh. she's a master of the chi. Yeah. <laughs> and also... Well, they, they well, to, well, which is... Like, the word witch is just weird, because witches don't yeah, but exist. They call... It doesn't exist in Chinese mythology. Okay. Like, it's such a Western... And the phoenix is such a Western thing, but let's not talk about that. Uh, well, I'm keen to... Uh, okay. I mean, I'm keen to talk about it, yeah. <laughs> But um, the kind of dynamic between her and the main villain, um, not fully realised um, that he's sort of oppressing her, and I, I like I like her journey of seeing that true respect from a, from a man's world is possible. I thought that was a that was a nice arc, um, and of course I knew she was going to die saving Milan from the moment that there was some complication with her allegiance to her boss. Um, but I just, I, I don't know, like, I would have loved to have had, had her as just the central villain. And that she did have a change, and so maybe there's somebody else that threatened Mulan's life and she sacrificed. I don't, I, that moment was great. But it was just a messy, mm. messy story. And I think Gong Li is really good. Mm. Um, she's probably my favourite part of the movie, she is. Mm. Yeah. I'm so interested in what you said, uh, William, about Mulan 98 being created for mm-hmm. uh, Asian Americans. That is so interesting to me because I would argue, I would add rather, surely also, Disney being Disney, it didn't expect its audience to be purely uh, Asian Americans. It will have expected it to be all Americans and therefore the Orientalism in mm-hmm. the clinical sense of let's look at what China is like and the the aspects now that might give one the cringe a little bit because you think, oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, well, as I say, Orientalism, treating something as the other and, and, and casting it in a certain way that might make one uncom- uncomfortable now. 2020, who, it's still Disney, so who is it created for? Was it created for the Chinese market? Or was it created for everybody who watches Disney? Which brings it that perilous situation of having to be all things to all people and winding up being no things to no people. I think you're absolutely correct, Sarah. It's it's all things to all people, but not at all. Um, It is for the Chinese market. And it is for the American market. And, and that, that, that kind of dichotomy and that confusion, mm. um, I think it hurts the movie. It actively does. What could it yeah. have done then? So here's a question. If, if they had done it, and arguably without a female, white, non-Asian, non-Indigenous anybody director, if they had had a Chinese director, Chinese cast, Chinese language, and it still could have looked as beautiful and as dramatic and and as and been such an action flick would the americans have watched it 
Well, I, I mean, if it's a good story and it's well told, absolutely. I, I think that the simplicity of the Mulan story is there. And it's like you, if you fiddle around with that too much, you start to unpick the, the beauty of that, that tale. And I, I love, like when we talked about that poem at the start, the song or poem. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's the story's there. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a woman that goes off to war for her father um, and has to pretend to be a man and then earns the respect of, of the men and they refine it. She's a woman and then they're okay with it. Yeah. So why didn't Disney take a risk and make it a Chinese film? Because it's a risk, Sarah. Yeah, because like the Great the, the, Wall, these, right? These live action. Uh, well, the Great Wall is, is no is Great very Wall different. is a hybrid, right? Because it was designed to be attractive to the Chinese market. No, it's course... the opposite way around. Oh. Great Wall is a Chinese movie designed to be attractive to, to the, the American, American market. market. Right, right, right. Um, which is man, that that movie sucks. Right, it's so bad. So again, it falls between all it cracks. It falls between. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, I mean, let's just. I mean, Matt Damon's got a ponytail though, so and and. <laughs> Wait, Pedro Pascal's in that movie, right? As yes. a, as comedic sidekick. And Willem Dafoe, I'm I'm the guy after the black powder. I speak <laughs> like yeah. this. Okay, well, and never mind Great Wall. So what? So yeah, what went so wrong with Mulan twenty twenty? I, I think, to be honest, you guys, I don't think it's the culture stuff. I think it's the fact that, as we said before, or as I said before, um, it's just a very lazy updating yeah. of stuff that people have fond memories towards back in their childhoods. I agree. Nothing more, nothing less. Can we? Can I talk about the music? I know, Sarah, you don't like it, but the first one is a musical. Um, and I, as we know, I love musicals. Um, mm. William, you're a big fan of musicals. Mm. Sarah, you're a big fan I'm of musicals. I'm a big fan of well. musicals. Um, but this is an interesting... The, the Mulan 1998 is an interesting film to me from a musical perspective because the music itself, I love the music itself. There's some really good songs in there. The, the, for a musical to work you need an opening number that introduces you to the world of this musical and there's that the dun 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 the matchmaker song kind of doesn't really introduce the world it introduces the expectations on Mulan um, so there's sort of a weird that, that song sort of feels like it's we're sort of oh okay we're in the song okay and it's because we haven't been introduced to the world mm-hmm. beautiful reflection song that's her ballad the big ballad that you know usually comes in second yeah the i want song um and then there's some brilliant songs that are the the gender play in the the 1998 milan is fantastic and nowhere near as delicate or works in the new film but the make a man out of you and a girl worth fighting for great concept songs and there's two things i'll say to those two songs number one is make a man out of you there are these solo bits in that song that get sung by different characters that are just voiceovers of action. So clearly they've changed things so much in the process and then they've not recrafted the story to fit it. And I'm mm. like, this feels unfinished. And then A Girl Worth Fighting For is perfectly set up to have the reprise or reprise down the line when they realise that she is she is someone, she's the girl worth yeah. fighting for, but in a completely different context, mm. she's the girl worth fighting behind as opposed to the one fighting mm, for back mm, home. Mm. Which never, that, that I never comes There's up. a musical cue, but that's it. It's, it's, and, uh, did you know why? Why? Like, it's, it's so cool that you bring this stuff up because um, behind the scenes of Mulan, like all sorts of changes, including all the songs were originally written by Stephen Schwartz. Um, so Wicked and, you know, uh, Godspell, I think is also Stephen Schwartz. Uh, but he was poached by Jeff and Katzenberg when he left to found DreamWorks. And so Schwartz ended up doing the music for Prince of Egypt. 
And so they had to very quickly scramble and redo so much of the music uh, from scratch. Mm. And I think it really shows in the final movie. Because, uh, again, I completely agree. Girl We're Fighting For, not only does it, does it like require a reprise... But it's actually the final song of the movie, yeah. and there's only five songs because they cut all the other songs. Mm. I love that. I was watching Prince of Egypt with my nephews the other day. Mm. Oh, Music so is it's so good. I was singing it this morning. It's so. Mm. I forgot how wonderful it is, and we only watched the first yeah. half an hour because we got interrupted. But so good, and that, and also the tone of Mulan it, in the middle of the Girl Worth Fighting For, you know, Girl Worth Fighting For, cut to decimated oh, village. So mm. good. And that's the end of the frivolity in the movie, except mm. for the random ending. So it's not the last song, William. Um, oh my god, ah, no! Ah, you reminded me of the ah, final song! True to your heart! True to your heart! There is some Credits. missed opportunities. So, to come full circle, to back to your question, Sarah, um, even though I was looking forward to seeing a non-musical version of Mulan in the vein of something like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, mm. I now would just love to see a good live-action musical with the ending fixed with some other song in there. And on that note, I'm going to then springboard and say, I am hoping and praying that the new Hercules live-action remake is going to be a musical no. and that they do it proper because that music is brilliant but as well. It has to be a musical, right? It's, I, I can't are they doing it. a live-action Hercules? They are. Yeah. Wow. Have you seen the original? Who cares? Oh, the music's I, so like, good. You know, maybe when it came out, I don't care. <laughs> so good, that music. I would not see a live-action Hercules. and I mean, sorry, Wait. I would not see a live-action musical Hercules. And I do did not want songs in this Mulan. <laughs> I wanted it to be a beautiful Chinese spectacular. Yeah. You know, and, and if we can look look and speak quickly about the aesthetics I think it achieved that I, mm. the costumes mm. and the sh- yeah. I, you know I love a good bit of chinoiserie but as you know speaking of Great War right it reminded me a lot of the Great War with all the coloured armour and like Beautiful. the contrast behind, b- b- between kind of the, the muted you know, beautiful muted mountains and the backdrops and the the extras and the main characters in their super neon bright armor. And there were some stunning nighttime shots by the yeah. water. I mean, there were some beautiful, beautiful moments. Photographed, incidentally, by Mandy, can't remember her surname, Australian um, mm. cinematographer. Um, so, I mean, I think it looked beautiful. I thought the action sequences were fine, you know, and so on and so forth. I did not want songs in that. That would have just made it silly. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm not saying that you just inject songs into this version of the movie. Not uh, at all. How oh. can you put songs into a Hercules movie? Oh, have you, you've got to watch it, No, but Sarah. that's the animated version. <laughs> oh, but it's like, I mean, if you have, like, it's, it's um, it's, uh, what's his name? Menken? Is it yeah, Menken? Menken. I mean, he, you know. Gun um, full Motown. It's like that, that little shop of horrors and the way little shop of horrors is filmed and and because it's minkin as well is every shot is choreographed you know and it's this vibrant punchy cartoony world that is i would love to see a hercules version of that you can't do a nikki cairo naturalistic version of mulan with music in it i'm not suggesting that i'm gonna say this like it's it's unfortunate that well, in my opinion, it's unfortunate that the songs were cut out of modern or live-action Mulan. But at least they replaced it with a score that was memorable. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Um, I was no, like, the I'm score looking that... at you. I'm looking at you going, I can't remember it. Okay, I'm sure. I, I trust you. Really? Because 
you were starting to say, but I'm yeah. excited for the score. Okay. Because what? Okay. I recently <laughs> did a podcast on Hans Zimmer. Okay. Um, <laughs> which we mentioned in our last which we podcast. mentioned in our last podcast. Yeah. And 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 and. So sometimes when I'm watching films and I hear glimmers of Zimmer, if you okay. will. Glimmers <laughs> of Zimmer. Yeah, like, what a wonderful you can, you can have that. I'll hear glimmers <laughs> of Zimmer. Consonants. But then I'll think, That's, but this is not a Zimmer score. And then I'm like, I wonder if this is a Harry Gregson-Williams score. Yeah, it was. Um, or Rupert Gregson-Williams. Uh, I think this is Harry, right? Uh, it's one of the one okay. of them. And, and I'll very quickly look that up. And... So, because I heard moments of Gladiator, and then I heard moments of Pirates of Caribbean, yeah. and then I heard something that could almost be Inception-like, and I was like, surely not. <laughs> um, but surely, as it turns out, so um, for those who are listening and who um, have not listened to my The Sound of Movies podcast... Which is worth listening to. I said it in our last podcast. It is a wonderful listen. Uh, if you like movies and music, Sarah has, has done a wonderful job in that. And I hope you've got another episode coming soon. I have another episode coming soon. Oh, good. So the interesting thing for me is that Hans Zimmer was nothing to do with the music for this, but Harry Gregson Williams is part of Hans Zimmer's uh, music making collective. Mm. And so quite often you'll hear Gregson Williams scores, which evoke... Um, Aspect, glimmers of Zimmer, if you will. So that's what I. So I liked this, but you tell me wow. why you didn't. Because there was nothing there. Uh, there was nothing. No, that's not true. There was something there, and it was every time they used reflections as a or, or orchestral version of reflections to try and build up to some sort of emotional catharsis. Mm. So this this wantonly crass usage of nostalgia to say, "Hey guys, feel something, please." Mm. Um, I hated it. Whereas the original, well, the original, the 98 Mulan, Jerry Goldsmith, the score is awesome. The da 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 dum da dum bum bum, And like that, that whole sequence with the avalanche. Yes. I felt, oh, that's not true. I, I, I thought the modern, the live action stuff, there were some cool shots with all the ice coming down and everything yeah. being white. But to be honest, I really felt all of that worked so much better in the animation. I agree. With the Huns coming down. It's I, just, I there's so much wow. more emotion. The, the timing was like, also wow. was way yeah. better of the animated version of that scene. And mm. I was anticipating it in 2020. Mm. And then it was like, what is she playing at? Well, I, I, I guess because in the 2021, just the staging is different, right? Yes. It, it's, not the hun, it's not the army of 6,000 Huns charging down the slope. They're stationary firing mm. these silly Game of Thrones looking catapults mm. and, trebuchets and trebuchets yes yeah. and she is the one moving around yes and and everything just feels so much more static because her, her friends yeah. they're, they're stuck in these turtle shell formations no one's moving apart no. from Mulan whereas in the 98 Mulan everyone is moving her friends are chasing after her. They mm. see the avalanche. They, they turn back. Mm. The avalanche is destroying everything. Mushu and the cricket are on this, this mm. shield snowboarding down. Like, there's so much motion. Yeah. And that is supposed to be the action climax. And it, it just doesn't it doesn't feel quite there. It's, it's not bad in the new one. But it, compared to the old one, it doesn't mm. hold a candle to it. Mm. Uh, plus the music, of course, which is so rousing. Mm-hmm. One thing that I noticed that... Um, I didn't mind when I was watching the 2020 film, but then it was really evident when I watched the 1998 movie was the sparseness of the palace in the 2020 version. It felt very hero. Um, And then there was such a bustling energy, you know, when Mila's trying to get attention of the people and the men are like, Um, (laughs) and there's there's a huge audience watching this this great sequence on the top of the fireworks tower and things like that. it was it was interesting. There was much more of an energy in that 
98 climax and there was the well, guys, what did you feel about that I, I I don't know like the I found the climax of the 2020 version to be very confusing um, can you guys answer this question and I, I, I don't have an answer wait is this a question about a temporal pincer <laughs> <laughs> may very well be <laughs> Um, what, what is the point? What is the... But, okay. Why? Why did they choose to stage the final one-on-one conflict in such a claustrophobic, claustrophobic space? Because we've seen pretty cool action scenes throughout the movie where she's riding a horse, she's flip-kicking spears into people's mm. chairs, and it's like, okay, this is pretty cool. Mm. I'm all for this. Mm. You've seen the, the Rorans, um, like, you know, magically wire up a war, and it's, it's all very expansive and it feels grandiose and very Game of Thrones-y wuxia, cool. And to choose to end your movie amongst these these like really tight bamboo-filled spaces and then to have the two of them on like a seesaw, it just, why did they do that? It was so disappointing at, from an action standpoint. And it wasn't choreographed very well either. Yeah, I agree. I, I mm. um, yeah, the movie sort of just lost it. And it also wasn't clear unless I missed a piece of dialogue, I was not clear what the relationship was between the main villain and the Emperor, and there was something about your father, or... Because uh, the Emperor killed his dad, right, who was the previous Khan. And when he when was that introduced? Uh, when they're having their little meeting of Khans, like, oh, uh, what do nomads need with riches? And he's like, whoa, if not for riches, then revenge. Yeah, very, very poorly brought into the film <laughs> and so unclear it's pretty cool to see um to see the actor what, what's the name jason scott lee mm. to see him get get more stuff to do I, he had a great face and he had a, yeah. it really fit the villain of the original when, film when we well. were in year 11 we studied one of his movies called map of the human heart yes yeah and i i remember like oh right this guy ended up playing bruce lee and now he's in a huge disney movie good for him uh, so speaking of which, I mean, let's talk about the fact that Mulan 2020 was shot in this country. And so a lot of the people that we know uh, mm. were on the crew and some cast members and whatnot as well. So um, I guess we can talk about things that a lot of a lot of them can't. I haven't spoken to any of them, I should say. So it's not like I know secret thoughts, but um, part of me feels defensive about the reception of Mulan 2020. I feel a little bit defensive for Nikki Caro because mm. I think she did what she was employed to do and I think she did it as well as one can within that context. Context, Because let's be honest, I think we would all agree that if you got the chance to work for Disney, there would be a massive limit on the extent to which you might be able to say, um, excuse me, do you suppose that we could make this actually seem Chinese? Or how about if we did, 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 did do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there will be limits on what she could do, and I think she did a good job, as we've said. Um, this is also a wonderful opportunity for a whole lot of Asian New Zealand actors to actually have roles and perform in a massive budget, wide release kind of film. Yeah. And um, and I and my mum actually wanted to audition when they had auditions on. <laughs> she didn't end up going, but yeah. But how marvelous, yeah. you know. Um, and so. I think this brings us round to representation and that big question that I held for Black Panther and for Wonder Woman and for Moana, I suppose, 
Um, at what point do we maybe, and this is, a, this is a, a rhetorical question, at what point do we go, well, at least there's representation, or do we go, no, we have, we have expectations that representation be absolutely the best that it can possibly be. And we do not go, oh, well, at least it's kind of South Pacific and we'll take it for now and maybe the next one will be better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like Black Panther had a lot of issues, but it was still the first and the biggest and the most significant. So, you know, at what point do people say, no, it is not okay that Africa is treated as African and all the same. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm going to do something for unforgivable probably right now, which is I'm going to try defend the character of Mushu. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's... Very problematic. I think the whole Eddie Murphy is sassy black guy trope uh, really gets on your nerves. And it's also really problematic. And also in a Chinese context, like you can kind of understand why a lot of Chinese audiences apparently back in the day did not respond well to Mushu. That being said, <laughs> um, there, is, there is something to be said for how Mulan 98, and I, I think Mulan 98 works better for representation. And I'll say why, even with Mushu, even with the American voices, even with Cricket and, and the, uh, or, or Cricky and the, 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 the stupid R&B ending, oh, that ending. Um, I think it's because Mulan 98 presents itself comp with fantastical elements. And I, I really think that is the case. It's how Black Panther did it. Black Panther is, it's, it's a futurist, you know, African mm, state. Mm. Mulan 98, from the very get-go, you see the ancestors, and you see Mushu, and he's jive-talking, and you're like, okay, this this isn't really China, right? Mm. It can't be. It can't be. And I know Mulan 2020 has the, the witch-sorceress character, and they keep talking about chi all the goddamn time. But... I feel like in its bones, it wants to be a Chinese historical epic. Which one? 2020. 2020. Yeah. And, and it's, it's very existence. It wants to be one of the movies that China, China, the Chinese film industry, churns out by the dozens every year. Like, it wants to be that. And when you have that, people are going to start nitpicking. And it's just been so interesting to see all the, the Asian audiences, both in China and in the United States, mm. talk about everything that Mulan 2020 gets wrong. Mm. And maybe it's going back to your point, Sarah, about having an animated world with animated characters. Mm. It's just, there's something different with that compared to having, quote, uh, yeah, real people. Yes. Real people in real costumes, in real period that you get outfits. away with. That's right, when yes. it's a cartoon. Yes. Um, and so, for, like, one of the big ones, I, I saw this, I saw Mulan 2020 with my family, and the moment the movie started... And she goes back to her childhood home, the, you know, the circular Tulo. My mum was like, wait, Mulan is a northern story. So this is, this is southern China. Tulo are very much a Hakka, you know, way of residence. And why, why would you do this? This is, ge geographically, you're already way off. Mm. And it just, like, snowboarded from there. The mm. outfits were all from different dynasties. Mm. Um, all the little things were wrong. And it's not because they didn't try. Mm. I think it just works. You know, there's a ton of little things being wrong in the American version. Oh, the American version. The 98 version yeah. as well. Um, but you accept it for what it is because it's a cartoon. I, I remember being super confused when, as a kid, I saw Mushu roast a dumpling on a fire. It's like, 
you would never do that. <laughs> yeah, right. But but as you know, as an adult, I understand he. It doesn't matter because he's a cartoon dragon roasting a cartoon dumpling, speaking with the voice of Eddie Eddie Murphy. So, so it, there is much more of a mental disconnect uh, in the new one because it is live action. I totally get that. Yeah. Can we talk about into the representation? Not so much ethnic representation, but um, well, not only representation, but just the gender, the gender politics. So you've got a woman being a man, very Shakespearean in the animated film, which you know it works well because you know with with a with a slight whip of her hair and the way that she's been animated, she looks masculine, yeah. and it works. It didn't work for me in the new one. She's so clearly a woman um, in, in the new one. And it, it was very strange to me. Uh, I couldn't suspend my disbelief quite in the same way that I could, say, if I'm watching a play on stage. Mm. Or, um, and I've had, I've had this issue with seeing, say, a, a film version of Twelfth Night. Or, mm. you know, you can tell it's a woman, um, generally, um, dressed as a man. Um, and again, it comes down to what your brain will will put up with. And so we watch an animation and we go, oh, but we know what this is meant to be. And we go to Bloomin' Shakespeare plays mm. and they're ludicrous. Mm. And, they're not pre- and there's no real pretense that this person is a girl or a boy or whatever. And we go along with it because it's the theatre. Yeah. And the minute that you're in... Like the animated um, case. A, a real person movie, what do we... Yeah. Live action movie... Oh, I don't think we can do that disconnect yeah. so easily. That, that, that abstraction just isn't Absolutely. there, that extra layer. And I found the attraction of um, the love interest, I don't know his name, the, he was great, by the way, that young New Zealand actor. Yeah. I've seen him in the Luminaries as well. Mm. He's, he's, he's a very different character, the Luminaries. But he's attracted to Mulan when he's he thinks she's a man. A man. Yeah. Um, Who he can really talk to. Yeah, and so there's this attraction there. And then... So sly glances and things like that. And then there's kind of a moment at the end where, he, where they touch hands. And just the treatment of... There's just no treatment of either the homoerotic nature of that story, uh, you know, or yeah. the attraction of that, or the confusion of that, or what that means. It's yeah, just, but they touch hands thing, when she's a girl. That's they they only touch hands when yeah. she's been revealed as a woman. I know, but he's very clearly attracted to he, he's him. He's like, snubbing him, like... Oh, you, you smell bad. That's what crows do. No, because, that's, <laughs> no, because that isn't that. That's from the animated film, right? It's, isn't that the thing oh, you know, no, can't let go of? No. Oh, I see, I see. <laughs> it's, okay. the, it's, the, it's the dragon that Mushu does it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and so I was thinking, oh, this is like, they've just not really thought this through. Like, mm. this is not, they haven't thought this through. Um, either, either, I mean, it's a Disney film, so they're always going to be careful around sexual politics anyway. But mm. I was like, oh, you, this has just not been thought through. Whereas the original film, because I was like, oh man, I'm, I was, I was getting, I was gearing up to feel very problematic with, because in that one, it's her, it's her superior as well, yeah. right? Which is why they changed it in this new one. Um, but in the in the original, there's no suggestion of attraction from him to her until he's aware of her being a woman, um, which just solves any of them having to investigate some really complicated <laughs> sexual and gender politics. She's attracted to him because she knows he's a man, right? And she knows yeah. she's a woman. Um, it just was, it was very, it was, for me, it was very interesting. And you think they're going to do a live action Hercules <laughs> with songs? That's my soul, Hercules on a roll. I mean, I don't know. It's so good, Sierra. It's so no, good. Live action it's, with it's, songs. I mean, if you're going to have Hades in blue with flaming blue here, it's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I cannot wait. Get oh James Woods back as Hades. No, please don't. Oh please my don't. Gosh. Uh, also, get Roger Bart back as Hercules' singing <laughs> voice. <laughs> so, um, I want to ask you something, William. You said yeah. that you'd watch Mulan 2020. I think you meant 2020 in mm. Chinese. Oh uh, no no the, oh. the uh, I I watched it in China I watched the ninety eight one in Chinese back in the day right and I remember rewatching it in English right after and thinking oh this works much better in English I guess because of the intonations and uh, the lip syncing and a lot of the animation stuff it's like okay so it was intended to be a, in a certain language so out of interest Eddie Murphy's character in the Chinese version yeah. sounds like what. Um, the one I watched was the Taiwanese dub, so they got a pretty famous comedian who was just like, yeah, blah, 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 like a fast talker. Right, right, right. 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 Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. that's, that's interesting. Okay. All right. So I know that they can't have done the 2020 in Chinese because the actors were speaking English. Yeah. Um, or, or but there, there will maybe, be... Maybe there is a dub. Is there a dub out there or is there not? You'd imagine there would must yeah. be. Because it wouldn't be too difficult. It's not too much dialogue. But you see, that's interesting to me, is the dissonance of watching a film in a different language, yeah. but watching it through your visual lens and expecting yeah. something different. Because you know? I, I remember intentionally searching down a, a version of uh, Ratatouille mm. in French, because uh, mm. I, I think my French was good enough to understand mm. what was going on, and I, I loved the movie. I thought it would be more authentic. But it, it's, it's, not it's, built, it's not bad. But it's not built to it's be not French. Built, exactly. And so like the, the main character was, let's just say, no Patton Oswald, right? Right. The, the little ticks and the timing was just slightly off. Mm. Yeah. My main beef with Mulan 2020 is how Mulan learns to be a hero. Yeah. How? Um, she is all about that manifest destiny. Why? Why, you guys? The, the, the beauty of... As Gemma, you said it before. Like The beauty of the character in the 98 version is that she starts off as someone... Okay, she, she, she's smart. You see her with the chess game and she, is, she has gumption. Um, but she is not the best of all the soldiers. As a matter of fact, all the soldiers suck. And through the beauty of a montage and through their camaraderie, you see, A, the relationships develop, you see the characters develop, and you see her overcome things in her way. Like, she, she's not a superhero. And in Mulan 2020, they turn it into a superhero. She is hiding her powers like Superman. Mm. She has everything that's already in, been inside her. She walks up the mountain mm. not because she trained, but because she already has more strength than the other guys. I found that to be so disappointing, and it just, it's boring. And it reminds me, I was telling you, Jeremy, it reminds me of Spider-Man, or oh, the amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. Uh, th that's the official name of the movie. Mm. But um, basically, that one... Spider-Man was always destined to be Spider-Man because his parents had genetically engineered him to be Spider-Man. Whereas the beauty of the Spider-Man story is that any kid, any random nerdy kid, could have the potential to be Spider-Man if he was in the right place at the right time. And Mulan 98 understands that. Mulan 2020, in my eyes, does not. Yeah, that's what I have to say about that. Also, Chi. Uh, the concept of Chi being the Force. <laughs> Can we, just, can we just end it there? <coughs> yes. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context. If you enjoyed our podcast, then please share it with your film-loving friends. You can listen to Cinema in Context through SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, and Amazon Music. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, which are also great places to let us know what you think of this episode or give us suggestions for future films to discuss and compare. 
Look out for our next episode in a month's time. And until then, Kakite Ano!